Welcome to CIO Leadership Live UK. I'm Lee Rennick, Executive Director of CIO Communities for CIO, and I'm very excited to welcome Andy Raines, CIO and Executive Director, Royal Papworth Hospital and NHS Foundation Trust. Andy, can you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your current role? Thanks, Lee. Well, um, it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, um, I'm, I'm the CIO and Senior Information Risk Owner at Royal Papworth Hospital, and it's uh, it's a pleasure, um, as you mentioned, there to be one of the exec directors and um, board board level executive CIOs. So, um, Royal Papworth is a specialist uh, hospital in Cambridge. Um, for those that don't know, and um, we, we specialise in heart and lung patients. Um, we were the first centre in the UK, for example, to perform a heart transplant um, in 1979. Um, but um, we've moved to this wonderful new hospital that you can see behind me in 2019. And um, I'm pleased to say we're rated by the CQC as an outstanding hospital. And uh, we now have a global footprint, which is tru truly exciting. Well, I'm so pleased that you could join us today, Andy. And we've really created this series to support the technology leader in their tech and leadership journey. And we're going to talk about all of this today in our interview. But the first question I ask, and I ask everyone of this, and I find it very interesting. Can you please tell us a little bit about your own career journey um, and path and pro provide some insights or tips on that road path? Are there any lessons learned you'd like to share? Everybody has a story to tell, don't they? And um, I, I, I have my own uh, actually started uh, my career as a hospital porter, um, would you believe? But um, I, I've always had uh, supportive leaders around me and managed to find throughout my career development opportunities. So um, I moved from uh, doing that role to being a switchboard operative and uh, went into informatics, implementing my first Unix-based patient administration system, I think something in, in, in the early 90s. Um, so I've, I've subsequently enjoyed many opportunities from um, moving into uh, that tech landscape and leading on several high profile projects, including uh, an IT implementation in one of our uh, prisons in the country in um, a place called HMP Thameside, which is on the Belmarsh estate. Um, and then I went to um, work from there in a local authority implementing a liquid logic um, uh, care, care solution for children and adults um, before um, moving into a London accused, which was um, in special measures, um, before coming to Royal Papworth Hospital. And I, th I think it's a real privilege and, and uh, an honour to be a CIO, particularly in a hospital um, that I regard as having uh, the global reputation that um, Papworth has. And um, I, I've, I, here I've led the D Trust Digital Transformation Programme. Um, one of my first achievements was moving into this hospital and for everything to go live on from day one. And uh, nobody came to any harm. And I think that's a really good test of the um, of, of my team's uh, hard efforts and our work to ensure a successful move. So that's about 13 miles away. Um, but um my team were also the first to um, integrate our EPR Lorenzo with Epic. Um, and uh, that has been a tremendous uh, UK first. We've been a digital exemplar. Um, and uh, I've also been uh, one of the chairs of our Cambridgeshire and Peterborough digital enabling group to try and drive um, initiatives forward as a system. And uh, that includes um, our shared care record that we've, we're now connected to 
through several of our, our trusts and GP practices. It's uh, been a varied uh, career and it's been good to see it from a health care uh, and offender um, perspective. And uh, I think it's been tremendously insightful to see it from, from those perspectives. You mentioned lessons, Lee, and, and I guess, you know, there's there's many I, I feel I've kind of drawn from over the years. And I, I think I would say take every opportunity, um, I think, is it, something that I've been hunger, hungry for um, when I started my career as a hospital porter. Um, in, my, in my role now, I think it's important to walk the floor, uh, to be visible as a CIO, um, not coming in and so sitting behind my computer as often uh, may be uh, or could be the case. Um, I think sometimes you have to show humility and vulnerability. Um, I think it's um, an, a space where technology can and often will go wrong. And uh, I think we have to accept that. But also, you know, in terms of your own vulnerability, accept that, you, you know, we're all human. Mistakes do happen. And, you know, by the grace of God, go I. Um, that you try to uh, correct things as quickly as possible, um, I think is 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 one aspect that I'm keen to remember. Um, surround yourself with good people, um, I think, uh, and celebrate them. You know, the, the achievements you make yourself as a leader aren't always as, in fact, are infrequently yourself as your leader. They're your people around you. Um, so I think to remember that, uh, invest in yourself, in your own time uh, and, and your own development, uh, I think is, is really important. I self-funded my master's degree when I was 40. Mm. And um, I think um, through that, I, I really had an interest in doing it, not only because it was my own money, but um, I, I saw it, I felt at that age, what I wanted to try and achieve in my career. And, and then lastly, probably um, without sounding patronizing or um, a, a bit cheesy, I think be kind. Right? be kind to people be purposeful and, and be yourself be authentic um, and I think those are attributes that um, increasingly organizations want and need to see in in their leaders so so there's just a few there for from me Lenny, but, Lee, but I hope that helps those are really fantastic and when I think about what you've said I mean that initial role of yours as a porter in the hospital and then you know having this role now implementing technology for good really to improve people's journey in their own health care um, and then advancing your own education and surrounding yourself with people by people that supporting you that's very inspirational so i really appreciate you you sharing that um, and i wanted to talk a little bit about now about the patient journey and and really how technology has improved patient services so uh, I know that Royal Papworth Hospital went through a huge digital transformation and you made some significant changes throughout the pandemic. So could you talk a little bit about how tech and healthcare work together with shared insight to improve health and patient outcomes? Yeah, very much so. And I, I, I mean, I, I think there's, there's so many insights here that people can give um, through having to um, deploy technology at pace, particularly through the pandemic. But, but I think um, particularly I wanted to talk to um, perhaps a couple that we we rolled out here at Papworth that struck me as um, trying to be helpful, um, be kind and thoughtful of our staff working in really challenging conditions. And I could talk about, you know, video consultation, but, you know, I guess 
we were all in that space. But two that really occurred to me was um, our utilisation of standards. Um, so before we moved to the hospital, we, of course, had to integrate systems. And I, I tend to think standards, when we talk about it, a standard's a standard or it's not. If we talk about standards, we need to deploy standards and, and, and be, you know, quite um, uh, determined with that. Um, it, otherwise, what's the point? What's the point in having standards? So when we talk about integration and interoperability, let's be purposeful about that and, and strident in our in our approach to to achieving those standards. And we've used um, quite a lot of um, standards, not only to integrate, um, but of course, um, we've also rolled those out as part of every patient that comes through our doors has a barcode on their wristband, which has a standard on it, um, which enables us to make sure that when we're delivering meds, we get the, the right patient, right time every time, um, and the right medication dosage, I think, is, is really important. And we've seen um, many uh, safety benefits uh, of that process um, through its implementation. But not least of all that, as a cardiac centre, we have um, uh, rolled out uh, remote monitoring through a cardiac implantable device. This was rolled out by our cardiac physiologists and um, uh, a, a, an excellent product that we use, which implants a, a device into, into a patient, then monitors their arrhythmias. And through the pandemic, we went from um, before the pandemic from 1000 to just post pandemic, which was between five and uh, five and a five and a half thousand patients that were able to monitor remotely through this uh, implantable device that again uses the standard um, that our integration with Epic does, um, that our, um, our, our, our patient wristbands do, um, and this product Physicon, which is the remote implantable device uses as well. And not only that, we, um, we, we, we use also um, a blood track uh, vending solution almost for um, uh, uh, making sure patients get blood. And again, this is using that standard. And of course, um, through uh, through the pandemic, Papworth uh, dealt with some very um, high acuity in that um, in that particular area. And uh, in terms of blood, um, what a um, precious commodity blood is, right, for life. Mm -hmm. um, it's fantastic. And uh, through, again, that standard and through barcodes and using that um, standard for vending blood, if you like, we were able to reduce blood wastage from within 5% to within 1%. Um, so we're wow. really trying to drive standards to make sure that we provide um, our patients and remember, we are a cardiothoracic centre, so the majority of our patients need to come into our hospital for their care and treatment. But what we did try to do was um, manage proactively those things we could do remotely uh, and uh, looking at what, what sort of solutions we could provide in that space. So, so there's uh, perhaps a couple of examples there. Those are incredible. And I mean, it sounds like you did a whole implementation with your move to your new facility and then really during COVID had to understand how you could better implement digital services, both for the patient, but also for your full staff and, and for the patient going through these monitoring aspects of their healthcare. So uh, an incredible uh, example of how you've worked to really improve um, your services for the patient through technology. So I appreciate you sharing that. One of the um, key aspects for that uh, as well was moving our EPR to the cloud um, right. in, into into AWS. So one of the things, of course, was 
we had to enable staff to work from home much more frequently. Right. And by moving to the cloud, we were able to create create more resilience, uh, more access, better access um, to our EPR um, using AWS um, through um, through through Deedless, who provide our Lorenzo EPR. And that had massive uh, impacts in terms of speed, performance, resilience, security of those systems, um, yeah. which also really helped. So just another example there of actually, I think you, you, you have to consider how you can help your staff to help your patients. Yes. Um, and uh, that, that I think that's an, an important thing we have to have to remember there. Oh, I'm really glad you shared that because some companies are have gone through their digital transformation with cl cloud and other organizations are still trying to sort of sort out how they want to do it on prem versus, you know, public cloud and all of that. So I'm I'm really happy you shared that example. Um, so this is a great way, all the information you've provided to segue into the next question, and that's about the EDC gold management software that was launched during COVID. Um, you've talked about that to ensure the hospital was able to track the quality materials that were managed and used. So if you could talk a little bit about uh, more about that system, how you used it to capture data via the barcodes um, and really to manage, you know, materials and support for the patient really to identify, capture and share. And those are the three words you use. Um, I read a press release and those were the three years that three words that were used was identify, capture and share. So if you can talk a little bit about that, I'd appreciate it. Of course, you're very happy to. And so so I think you know, we're all having to do um, more with the same or the less and be incredibly efficient, aren't we, mm. um, in, in in hospitals, providing the right treatment, providing the right care um, and doing that within uh, within budget and um, while well, managing, we're maintaining what we what we have and what's coming down the track as well. I'll talk a bit more about that later. But um I think I think you're right. Once what we've tried to capture here at Papworth is a way of using barcodes to help really manage a lot of our um, our stock, our replenishment, um, how much um, uh, services we use, um, how much services our patients use, um, what we can do in terms of research and development, um, uh, informing uh, resources. And we can do that because EDC Gold, as you say, monitors um, what equipment we have or what um, uh, goods that we have coming into the hospital. And of course, that's tracked in through a barcode. And once that's in the hospital, um, what I felt we needed to do, and uh, and there's an initiative that's called Scan for Safety that talks to this, which is um, really highly effective uh, and um, one which uh, several organisations have, have grasped. But but for me, it's about actually once that um, product is in the organisation, about the traceability of that good, the availability of that good uh, at the right place and the right time to the right person, to the right member of staff, to the right patient, and then the replenishment of that. And so it's a cyclical thing. And what we've got it to a stage of is where as much as we can hangs off an in infrastructure whereby um, a good comes in, we can trace it into a department, we can trace when it's used, we can trace when it's used against a patient, for example, a drug with a patient, uh, with a member of staff, um, and we capture that data. Imagine capturing that data and then that that is um, uh, federated through into your EPR and into a shared care record. The pinpoint precision accuracy of that information captured at that point in time uh, to be available on a need-to-know basis 
in your hospital, in your community is really powerful stuff. And I think that not only relates to some of the, the, the scenarios I've given you, like, like mm -hmm. um, the administration of drugs, but our interoperability and lab results coming back through, for example, equipment, uh, tracking and tracing equipment. We talked about tracking blood. We talked about um, how we're utilising um, Physicon in remote clinics, which also use that barcode. So those interactions, if they're at the, the, uh, the um, uh, uh, bedside and uh, are able to be scanned, that data becomes then very powerful. And eventually, not only then have you got information which uh, pertains to uh, the way you're, you're, you're managing your hospital, the services you're delivering, uh, trace, full traceability for safety, um, but you've got if an efficiency there, an efficient way of working, um, good data on which to base things like research and development and planning resources and services. But actually, you can get to a place where if you implement that within that infrastructure, potentially patient level costing. And uh, I think that then you, you've got a really good solution then, which is driving benefit and value. Um, to the organization in its fullest sense. Yeah, it's it's a huge amount of value just to be able to do that tracking, like you said, and how it relates to absolutely everything within the patient journey, right? And the and the hospital itself and that journey of the hospital and your budgeting, your planning. So it's an incredible system. Congratulations for um, implementing that. And um, I think it kind of leads into our next question quite well, because our next question is about um, innovation and you know obviously gen ai and large language models are really prevalent in discussions right now that i'm having with cios across you know the globe um so could you share your own views on gen ai and llms and perhaps some of the ways you're looking at to, at deploying or what are you seeing in the market i i think it's a really interesting subject lee and uh one year which we're, we're we're very much interested in and and, and utilizing so Increasingly, much much of the time, in fact, that uh, meetings I'm involved with talk to um, uh, artificial intelligence, AI, and, uh, uh, and and generative AI. And I guess, firstly, um, I want to talk about the kind of common use of AI that we, that I'm seeing, which is um, a lot around the diagnostic imaging space, and it's probably the most commonly used example. But um, in terms of perhaps um, focusing on uh, abnormality or detection and um, uh, differentiating diagnosis and perhaps um, work list prioritization. Um, but increasingly, that has the power then to um, provide a useful check, augmenting the human interaction in the kind of diagnostic space uh, and improving um, the, the kind of productivity of professionals and safety of our patients. So I think um, that that I have to say that I think that has one which has captured, captured hearts and minds and we're starting to see. When we get on to kind of large language models and or LLMs where, you know, there, there, there's perhaps this kind of system thinking where um, you have a pre-trained system, you might talk about something like Wikipedia or something which provides insights and, and large scale data. Um, which provides information, but generative AI, which actually there's a product at the end of it. Um, and we, you know, we often talk about chat GPT here, which is, you know, really powerful and uh, advancing um, people's in active engagement with it and trying it out and seeing what it can do and the capabilities. Um, and, and, and really it's out there, isn't it, it, it for, for mm. the world to use. So, so I, I think it's a fantastic and great opportunity 
and something that you know in terms of the work of um, health and care and uh, life sciences um has super potential i think i think of note um there is the the one um thing i guess in the back of my mind with this technology which is you know it can be used for good but actually you know let, let's also uh, imagine a world where it's not used for good in yeah. fact quite the opposite and we are also seeing the, the things like threat actors, for example, fraud or, you know, the risk to data and staff potentially around um, AI services um, and, and perhaps the authenticity of what AI might, may have generated. Where's it come from? All of that. And if you imagine that and we've become reliant on it, what is the complacency like that? Actually, this is right. This is absolutely right. And so... So on that on that bit, I'm kind of led to um, to the fact that there's this fantastic emerging technology. Gartner describes it on their um, hype cycle, don't they? And and you know, lots of exploration going on into this. Um, and as exciting it is, is I think we also need to um, be mindful of the governance around it um, and and frameworks for standards in terms of its operation. And I know nationally there's a lot of work that's going on uh, in the NHS about that. And at a local level, you know, we've got some great innovators uh, at our hospital that really want to get into this. And again, um, how, how can we uh, encourage that while making sure it's safe and that there are processes that we, we that, that don't stifle innovation, but support its safe use yeah. um an experimentation in the hospital so 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 like all things i'm at a place where we we want to encourage this i think it's it, it really has exciting potential at scale as well um but like all things this is groundbreaking technology so i think we just need to be assured that there's the technologies um that also what is the problem you're trying to fix yeah so if you come at it from that perspective there may be something around um all kinds of technologies that you've got access to ai being one of them and i i think you, when you place that kind of emphasis of in your technology toolkit as a cio what do you have access to increasingly you are aware of a plethora of uh, almost a smorgasbord of of, of uh, digital tools and technology tools um, but increasingly you also need to know um how are you wrapping a framework around that safe and rapid use and rapid failure rate, if you like. So fail fast, we say sometimes, don't we? In yeah. terms of, uh, of, of of new tech, um, with the advantage of being able to find, identify what is its use case that's going to best support um, value and benefits in your organisation. I think that's a great overview and synopsis of it. And I love this idea of the CIO tool, toolkit. I think that's exactly a great way for anyone to look at it. I mean, I see there, that there could be a ton of, well, a lot of application around patient, you know, communication resources. But as you say, there has to be a plan. It has to be well thought out. I know a lot of people yeah. are thinking about the bias as well issue. Yes. You know, So yeah. all of those things, especially in the sector that you're in, have to be so, so careful. Um, so I wanted to shift our discussion now, our final discussion for this interview, and thank you so much, around the role of the senior technology leader. So you and I chatted about a week ago, and I you know, mentioned that one of the CIOs I spoke with said that the technology leader must be bilingual, understanding both business and technology. And you put it in another really interesting way, which I hadn't thought of, and that was that the senior technology leader needs to be ambidextrous. 
So can you talk a little bit about that as it relates to, you know, your work and others in the area of long-term strategy and business planning, obviously the communication of the tech to them at the management level, um, and just how that all ties back into overall business and stakeholder value. Thanks, Lee. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it is a really interesting one and, and you know, no stretch of the imagination um, is it always easy to get right. Um, so I think with any organisation, you find different pulls uh, and different experiments or innovations or pilots, however you want to term the phrase that um, the organisation might want to do. But I think when I when I mention ambidexterity, I think that what that is, is, is for me is a way of managing what's right there, right now in the moment, and also coping with what's coming down the track uh, and being having a way of kind of profiling all of that into some sort of sense and order. And um, I, I, w there are a number of ways of doing that, but I, but I think um, ultimately what what are firstly the vision and values of your organization and being minded that, you know, digital and the technology stack isn't something that sits outside the organization. It's right there and has to be involved increasingly in the discussion about what are the problems and challenges that we have as an organization. And in understanding that, being able to say, okay, so, um, you know, this is, there, there may be a way of, of, of different ways that we can solve this. And, and that's while you're hanging on and running the, the, the business as usual. And so I, I think that is um, sometimes quite a challenging place because um, sometimes there's pressures from the organization mm. that maybe may feel overwhelming. So you need to find a way of looking at um, um, denominators, I think, to be able to give yourself an algorithm that tells you which is um, a priority what's less of a priority so that you can work with your organization you can work with your digital teams and you can work with your stakeholders in terms of managing that expectation because not all of those things can be done at once and as a cio working in the pandemic um and and you know coming out of the pandemic is seeing the multitude of asks um and equally within a team of people that are equally stressed equally busy you're having to push things out at pace and to give them a sense of realism yeah uh, and managing that portfolio with them to deploy a sensible level that is going to um, engage people and not put them off um, you need to retain attract retain and keep those staff keep them skilled up with the latest technologies that help manage that so 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 i think the ambidexterity question is one that's increasingly important and you need some more tools. The CIO needs more tools to help manage those things, which are really important. So it's really important that we can set priorities, understand that those are organizational priorities, and you can take the organization with you on that journey. If you're coming at it from a perspective where it's all coming into one single big mush, what that's gonna create is anxiety, stress. Um, it will be um, de debilitating for teams because they want a focus and a sense of job satisfaction and achievement. So they want to deliver things for the organization. So it's really important that that's well understood, captured, and that you can work in a way with your organization. And I find that's a real privilege as a CIO working at a board level to be able to have that discussion, because sometimes if it's not, it can be lost um, beneath the board 
and it can create a sense of turmoil. So actually that that helps create a focus and why I think it's also one of the transformative areas of uh, an organization, not just the conversation about cybersecurity, but one about transformational business. That's a great way to end this uh, conversation we're having today. Thank you so much today for joining us, Andy. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Lee. It's been a pleasure. Thank, Thank you for you. having me. Oh, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much. And if you're interested in learning more about this interview or others, please don't hesitate to visit us at cio.com front slash UK.